0: And we'll skip around a little bit, but John chapter number 12 and verse number 30, I'm sorry, number 35, yes, Um, John chapter 12 and verse number 35 and 36, look what he says here, the Lord speaking to us says, yet a little while is the light with you, walk while you have the light. With you, walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be children of the light. Go back, if you will, just a couple of pages to John chapter number 11 in verse number 8. John eleven eight. 8. So notice what Jesus says here. Excuse me, John eleven nine. 9. Jesus answering his disciples in the context to be set here is that this is at the timing of Lazarus' death and future resurrection that Jesus performs. But in verse number nine, his disciples were, or in verse number eight, the disciples were questioning him whether or not he is going to go back to Jerusalem since he's been having so much turmoil there. And Jesus answered and said to them these words Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. John 8, John 8 in verse number 12. John 8 in verse number 12. hope maybe you're going to be picking up a very common theme here, especially as we read this verse. John eight, twelve. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, "I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The light of life." Now go all the way over to the book of Psalms, chapter number 89. Psalms, chapter number 89. Psalms chapter number eighty-nine. We'll look at verse number fifteen. You there? Amen. I want you to see this. Look what it says. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord in the light of thy countenance, in the light of thy countenance. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Two more passages, and then we'll get into it. Take your Bibles and turn, if you will, to Revelation chapter number 21, verse number 24. As you turn there, I'm going to turn to Ephesians 5. Revelation chapter number 21, in verse 24. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Then he goes on and he describes different things about what it's like to be a child of God. And then verse number eighty, he says this, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye the light. Now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And then one more passage, Revelation 21, 24 He says there, he says, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. That's the future reign with Jesus Christ. We will walk in his light. I hope that you maybe have got the theme that we're looking at tonight. That theme is walking in the light of the Lord, walking in the light. Or if you want it in a question format, you might say it like this. Is Jesus smiling at you tonight? You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Is Jesus smiling at me? Well, I read that verse to you and you read it with me. It was Psalm 89, 15. It says there in Psalm 89, 15, I'll read it again. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. What does that mean, the light of His countenance? That means this, John Wesley said that it meant to walk under the comfortable influences of God's favor. To walk under the comfortable influences of God's loving favor. Another commentator said it meant this, it means to enjoy the gracious presence of God, to have the manifestation of God, to know God's love, to know the communion that we can have in Jesus Christ and the comfort that we can experience in the Holy Spirit. Adam Clark said, It is the full persuasion. Now, I had to look this word up, but this is written a little while ago. He says, This walking in the light of God's countenance means this it is, means is that you are walking in the full persuasion of God's approbation. You say, What is That, that means his pr- approval, his approval. To the praise of God, the Father, and the Sanctifier. Spurgeon wrote, he said, For them that walk in God's countenance, in the light of God's countenance, it is joy enough to know that that Jehovah is favorable to them. All day long this contents them and enables them with vigor to pursue their pilgrimage. What a great quote. He said it means to walk in God's countenance, to walk in the light of God's countenance is the one thing that every believer should want to do. It pleases them. And there's nothing else in life that makes them happier to know that God is happy with them. That's a great thought. Or if you just want to put it real simple, Albert Barnes says this. What it means to walk in God's countenance in the light of God's countenance is this. They shall live in thy favor and enjoy your smiles. Enjoy your smiles. Maybe if you're a child or maybe if you remember being a child or maybe if you're a parent, you have experienced this. Maybe you've seen, uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, I would do something And uh, I would look over at my parents. If it was something good or whatever, maybe it was a a a good tackle that I had on my football team. I oftentimes look over the sidelines, look in the bleachers, see if mom saw that, see if somebody, see if mom or dad saw that, see if they were smiling. Maybe you've had that. Maybe you've experienced that as a parent. Maybe you experienced that with your children. Um, You're you're watching something. They do something good and whatever it is, and they look over at you to see if they have your approval. They see your smile. That's what it means to have the light of God's countenance upon you. To look at God and God's smiling at you. It's a blessing. Does God smile at our walk? Remember what walking is in the Bible? Walking in the Bible is just your daily, average, everyday, ordinary life. I was in my office uh, studying this afternoon, and I was, I wouldn't say I was interrupted, but it was definitely quite loud. That big excavator that's sitting out there was banging in the rock all day long. He was just banging, digging that rock out. One time he banged and banged and banged and banged. I was watching him for a good five minutes. I don't know if it was five minutes. It felt like five minutes, probably like a minute and a half. But then he pulled out no more than a shovel full of dirt. I thought, what in the world? <laughs> this is crazy. But a thought hit me. I don't know the man that's operating the excavator. But the thought hit me was this. If that man was a Christian, if that man was a Christian, you know what? Banging on that excavator all day long, that's his walk. That's his walk. It's just, it's just everyday, ordinary life. And... I don't know the man at all, but I'll just use him for an illustration and just say it like this. Was he pleasing God? Was God smiling at him? I hope so. And if he was doing everything for the glory of God, you know what? Even if he was just banging on an excavator all day long, you know what? God could be happy with him. God could be happy with him. Never try to measure yourself like an athlete. Too often, I think, in the Christian life, we try to measure ourselves like athletes. How do athletes measure themselves? Gold medals, NCAA titles, that's how they measure themselves. Trophies, first places, second places, third places. That's our our typical way of measuring things. Athletes are measured by their accomplishments and also their failures. Life, though, is not just, did you win a gold medal at the Olympics? That's not life. That's not life at all. No, the Christian's life is, did you remain faithful to God till the end? Was your walk pleasing to God? Every single day matters to God. Never think that it doesn't. Every single day matters to God. Every single thing you do matters to God. Every day we are to be pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Everything that we do. In everything, we ought to be bringing glory to God. Every bit of it. We're just walking with God. And the way that we receive that message tonight is by this. Are we walking in the light? Walking in the light. Now, there's a very foundational truth that I want to share with you here tonight. And it's something that I believe in the crowd that I'm preaching to you this evening. is probably is very well versed in you. Understand this. But the foundational truth is this is that the light of the world is Jesus Christ; no other foundation can no, can, can no man lay than that which is already laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, we have to begin there john eight twelve Jesus says, "I am the light of the world now if I were to uh, begin, if I were to go into a science class or a biology class, or if I was to uh, go into a seminar, the teaching about planets and solar systems and these kinds of things, and I were to say, you know what, guys, uh, you've all been wrong. I mean, the sun gives no light. (laughs) The sun gives no light whatsoever. I mean, it, it gives us no light at all. I mean, they'd probably throw me out on my head and be like, "You crazy loon! You idiot! What are you talking about?" All right, now don't get too scientific on me here. I understand what, understand what I'm saying here. No, the sun is exclusive. The sun is what is giving us light. It's letting us see things. It's letting us to be able to walk around in the day. Here in a few hours or so, if you were to not turn on any lights in your house and you were to try to walk outside, you would stumble and fall down, just like Jesus said in John chapter number 12. If the sun's not shining, it's going to be easy for somebody to trip over something and fall down and get hurt. But the fact of the matter is this, is that the sun that's in our sky right now is giving us light. It's giving us light. And to say that it's not, the it's sun is rather exclusive, he might say. It is the thing that is, that great big thing in the sky, that great big yellow thing that we can't get close, is bringing us light. The same way that the sun is exclusive, Jesus is saying, I am exclusive. I am exclusive. There is no other light but me. In our case, what Christ is saying is this, is there is no truth, there is no life, there is no salvation, there is no hope, there is no redemption without Jesus Christ. Jesus has the corner market on all of these things and more. I am the light of the world. He tells His followers in John chapter number 8 that if you will follow Him, then you will no longer be in darkness. Notice the contrast. That if you're in Christ, you're in the light. If you're not following Christ, you're in darkness. It's that simple. I love Christianity for one of, the, one of those reasons. Is, one of the reasons I love Christianity is this. It's just so simple. I mean, it's either Christ is all or Christ is nothing. That's, that's your, really your only choice. You don't get like a middle ground, you know? Either Christ is everything or He's not anything. Which one is it? Either he's, either you're in light with Him or you're in darkness without Him. You're in truth or you're in lies. There's, there's no really middle ground. There. Jesus Christ is exclusive. Yes, He is inclusive. He allows all who will believe to come unto Him. But here's the thing. He's not inclusive of all religions and just saying, you know what? We're all just the same. No, Jesus I am the way. I am the light. That's it. John 11 and verse number 9, Jesus says again, He says, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. You know, there's going to come a day when there's some people that are walking in this world and they're going to have a big shock because they're going to be walking around in this world one day and the next day they're going to be walking, they're going to be down in hell. It's going to be a shock. Why didn't they see that? Well, they were in darkness. They were in darkness. Now, I wasn't in darkness the other day, but I was definitely in a fog, all right? My wife had a traumatic experience that happened to her, and I was back and forth, back and forth. My mind was racing about a thousand miles a minute, and we were working out here on this deck, all right? And yes, I went back on the video and looked, and yes, I fell off, all right? All right, So, and I didn't post it on YouTube, So, But we had removed the smaller deck away so that we could get in and work there. Well, we were just kind of stepping from the building to the deck over this gap, and I was going back and forth, back and forth. And then uh, in about the third time that I went out of there, I know it was three times because I watched myself on the video, is that as I stepped out of that, and I totally did not even realize that the deck was not even there anymore, and I just went straight down. And uh, I I just just thank the Lord for that. God protect me. I just barely just got a little bump on my knee. That was all that happened, just a little bump. My phone went through the air. It didn't crack. Praise the Lord for that. Um, That's why I have these big bulky cases and everything. I have to have these things. But here's the thing. I was in a fog. I was in, if you will, darkness. And when I fell, it was a shock. Whoa, I mean, what in the world just happened to me? I I didn't even know what was going on. You know what? That's the way it is going to be for people without Jesus Christ one day. I mean, they think they're fine. They think everything's okay. But they're in darkness in darkness. And they're just going to slip right off into eternity without Him. Jesus says you don't have to do that. He says, He, he tells us the, the answer to that is this, walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is saying, you better be one real soon. Amen? Walk while you have the light. Walk while you have the light. he said. well, I'll get saved anytime I want to get saved. No, you will not, my friend. Nobody gets saved on their own time. Nobody does. Don't just think, well, I'm I'm a good person. Well, my parents have always gone to church. No, listen, the, the light of the gospel is being right here in front of you. It's a Wednesday night, and I would say that probably the majority of people in here are saved, but there might be somebody in here saying, I don't know if I am saved. walk while you have the light. This is foundational. You see, a blind man may have the sun above him, but he cannot enjoy the sun for it is not within him to enjoy it. His eyes will not allow him to experience that. And so it is with somebody without Christ. You see, the Son of God was right there in front of them, but they were in darkness. So Christ was not in them, so they were not able to enjoy Him. The only way to know who Christ, to to be saved, the only way to enjoy God forever, as they said, is to know Christ as Lord and Savior. That's foundational. That's fundamental. I just have to say that tonight and to make sure we're all on the same page. Without being a follower of Christ, you are still in darkness. You're still there. You're still trapped. Have you ever called out to Him before? Lord, save me from this darkness. God, save me. The great example of that is blind Bartimaeus, isn't it? Whenever he is there in the city of Jericho and people are telling him to be quiet, hush your mouth, but yet he keeps crying out, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. He he wants the light because he's blind. Have you called out to him? Secondly, we not only see this fundamental fact, but secondly, we see this. We see the follower's position. Now take your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter number 8. I didn't have you turn there earlier, but I'd like for you to turn there now if you don't mind. Ephesians 5 You say, okay, preacher, I'm, I'm a part of that. I, I've got the foundation of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm saved. I'm a believer in Him. Great. What do you do now? <laughs> Keep walking in the light. That's what you do. You just keep walking in the light. Simply put, just keep walking in the light of the Lord. Now, there's several aspects of this. Uh, Notice this first aspect as you turn to Ephesians chapter eight, or excuse me, chapter five. Notice this first aspect is this is that, and I draw this from another passage in Luke. But understand that when you're walking in the light of Jesus Christ as a believer, as a follower, our position is this: is that we must walk in the light of what has already been revealed to us walk in the light of the things that have already been revealed to you you can only do what you know does that make sense you can only do what you know i'll never forget going into my first day at work with at Sears Roebuck and Company and they somebody set me down in front of a computer and they said okay this is how you do it this is how you run the computer this is how you do these kinds of things and i had about 25 minutes of training. And the guy slapped me on the back and he said, listen man, I got a lot of work to do. I hope you can get it. And I thought, okay, (laughs) I have no idea what I'm doing. I'll just... Totally forgot everything that you just told me. And you know what I did whenever they hired somebody and I was leaving? Guess what Sears Roebuck and Company was famous or infamous for doing? They hire somebody the day that you're leaving, all right? And the day that I'm leaving, I did the same thing to the guy that came in to replace me. I said, listen, man, I got to go. Here's what it is. I See you later. I don't know if he made it or not. But nonetheless, you can only do what you know. You can only do what you know. The Bible says in Luke 12, 48, it says, For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. To whom men have committed much of them will he ask the more. Jesus gives a parable in Luke 12 to this relationship that this parable was that these servants were prepared. Some servants were prepared and some servants were not prepared for the return of their Lord. And when he gives this parable, he gives the meaning behind it that after much is, re- much is given, much is required. And God is going to call you into account one day based upon the things that you know and the things that you've understood, or maybe to put it another way, you might say Liz, or perhaps uh, he's also maybe going to call, He's also going to call you into the account on the things that you have been given opportunity to know, an opportunity to understand. My children, whenever they take a test, um, they don't ask them um, now." Before we take this test, if there's any question on here that you don't understand, you don't have to answer that question, all right? (laughs) They don't tell them that, all right? They've got to answer all the questions. Because why? Because they've been given opportunity to know and to understand the problems that are on the test. They've been given opportunity. They've been given tests, other tests. They've been given quizzes. They've been taught. They've been told to read. They've been told to do that. They've been given opportunity. You see, I didn't know that. God says you had plenty of opportunities to know that. He had plenty of opportunities to understand that. You're going to be called. I'm going to be called. We're all going to be called into account. And God is going to judge us based upon the light that has been revealed unto us. You and I know what's expected from God, we understand what is our responsibility in life. Jesus, in an earlier passage, in that raising of Lazarus, He said to His disciples, He says, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because the light of the world is in him. What was He telling His disciples? He was simply telling them this. His disciples had kind of uh, chided Him a little bit and said, "Uh, Master, don't you understand that back in Jerusalem, they tried to kill you, and you're going to go back there? And Jesus goes, Listen, guys. There's twelve hours. There's only twelve hours in the day. I got work to do. I got stuff to accomplish. I can't sit around here another day. I've got stuff to do. And just because it's the eleventh hour, and just because we might be saying, "Well, Jesus is going to come again," I mean, how can things just keep on going so bad? Or just because of this, or just because of that, let none of us ever retire to the fact that we might think, you know, what? It's just too late. No, there's 12 hours in a day. Work while you can. Work while you can. When we are building our house, I'll never forget, I'd wake up early in the morning. I'd wake up early in the morning and I'd rush over there and uh, the guy that I was working with, the plumber that I was working with at that, at that time, I mean, he, would, he didn't get started about 9, 30, or 10 every day anyhow. So, I mean, hey, that's just the way he works. And uh, so I had I had a good two hours to work, good two or three hours of work over there. I mean, I would, I'd get with it, and then I'd go work, and I'd go, go plumb, and then I'd get home from work, and guess what? It was summertime. It was in the summertime, and guess what I'd do? I'd work, I'd work as, as long as I could, as long as the sun was up. I'd just keep working because I had a job to do. I had to get my wife into a house. That's what I had to do, you know. And uh, I had to get her over there. That was important for me because I'm her husband. I want to be her provider and I want to help. And so I would work just as long as I could. That's why we need to be with Christ. Work for the night is coming, as the old song says. You're in Ephesians 5. The follower's position is this, is you need to walk in what's been revealed to you. What do you know? So many times people, I'll talk to people about the Lord, and they'll just say, well, I just don't know all those kinds of things. Well, my question to them is this, what do you know? What do you know? Okay? Let's start there. What do you know? What should you be doing? Okay? You know some things. Let's do those. Let's do those. Ephesians 5 and verse number 1. Look what he says. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, like Jesus says. I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall uh, shall not walk in darkness. So he's telling them here the same exact thing. Paul is repeating Jesus' words. He says, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Uh, Walk uh, contrary to the way that you used to walk. That's what he's telling them. Walk in the light that's been revealed to you. But secondly, another, uh, another description of the walk that we have in Jesus Christ is this, as believers, is that you need to walk contrary to the way that you used to walk. Now, let's just set a context here real quick, is that Paul is writing here to the Ephesian, mainly a group of Gentile believers that are freshly saved, all right? And remember where they were saved out of. Because some of you here... Now, if I read this list here to some of you, to some of us here tonight... Some of us might go to our think to ourselves, you know what? I never struggled with any of that kind of stuff. I mean, I never did any of that stuff. I never lived that way. I never did any. Of that. Well, just understand the context. Understand what's happening to these group of Ephesians. These group of Ephesians, they were idolaters. They had no moral compass, hardly whatsoever. They lived in their base emotions, however, they lived according to the flesh. They lived how they wanted to live. They had no concept of the God of the Bible. That's why I kind of laugh about people in America when they say, well, I'm atheist. You like clean streets, don't you? Amen? You know where that comes from? That comes from the fact that this country was founded upon a biblical background. You say what do you mean? Well, did you realize that even one of these things that he mentions here, that the way he used to be was uncleanness? How many has ever been to a third world country? You know what thing about usually about third world countries is this is they have not been influenced by God, or they've been influenced by some other religion that's making off to be God. And a lot of times what ends up happening in those countries is there's great uncleanness there. Great uncleanness. Part of, and cleanliness is not, is not next to God, it's not in the Bible, okay? I know that, all right? But well, my point being is this, is that we all need to understand that these Ephesian believers were coming into the faith from a totally different perspective than what the majority of us are coming into even if you did live a heathen life before you got saved. These people were on another level, okay? So just understand that. Just get that in our, in our minds on a context level here. So God, is write, so God is writing to this group of believers, and he's telling them, now it's time to live in the light. It's time to walk with God. It's time to live like God would want you to live. And he describes that for them in verses number 3 and 4. He says, now don't live this way. Uh, don't live with fornication or uncleanness or even covetousness, which is idolatry. Now think about that. Don't even be a covetous person. Don't do this. And then he even goes on and he goes more and he says, uh, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting. We've got to be careful with the way we even joke around sometimes. Amen which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. These are the ways that you're not supposed to live. Uh, you are a believer. Walk in the light. What does that mean? That means we put off some things. We get rid of some things. We say, I'm not going to have these things in my life anymore. I'm getting rid of these things. I'm putting these things to the side because that is the way that, uh, that, that I used to live. And I don't want to live that way anymore. Because God has instructed me, God's word, God has spoken to us in his word. And he said, this is the way I don't want you to live. Say, okay, all right, this is it. Don't live this way. He said, well, why shouldn't we live that way? Well, he tells them in verse number 5 and 6, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. He said, well, why shouldn't I live that way? Well, he tells us, because that's the way unsaved people live. Amen? I mean, that's the way unsaved people live. They live this way. I mean, uh, they live. Uh, let's, just take, let's just take one of those here for, for an example. They live jesting, right? I mean, they live to just kind of tell a bunch of crude jokes. I mean, they, don't, they don't think nothing about it. It's not convenient. It's not right. It's not good to do such things. He says, but, but that's the way the unsaved live. I mean, they just live however they want to live. They live according to their flesh. They live however they want to live. He says, we're not like that anymore. We've changed. We're different now. Then look what he says in verse number 5, or verse number 7. He says in verse number 7, he says, Now, be not ye therefore partakers with them. What does it mean to walk in the light? It means this. It means walk in the light that you've been revealed. It means this. It means, secondly, that you walk in the light that God has for you in your life, the will of God for your life. What is the will of God? Don't live in this way. Unsaved people live this way. Don't even participate in the events with the people that are contrary to the light. There was a man named Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament. Good king. Godly king. Awesome king. Uh, He loved the Lord. But he had a problem. Okay? So let's be upfront about it. He had a big problem. His problem was he liked to mingle with another king named Ahab. Now Ahab was wicked. I mean, he was. I mean, if like they had a dictionary back then, and that word wicked was in there, Ahab would be a picture of him right there. I mean, that guy was. And then his wife, she was like wicked times two. Okay, Ahab was wicked. Jezebel was like wicked times. She was horrible. Okay. She plotted a man's death just because her husband was sucking his thumb and pouting. I mean, think about that. But nonetheless, Jehoshaphat, and we all have done this. Perhaps we think to ourselves, I just want to be a good influence on somebody. Maybe that's what Jehoshaphat's thoughts were. But he realized because of his mingling with the ungodly that he almost died. (laughs) He almost died. He was almost killed. Uh, he he suffered a humongous financial loss because of it, and the worst part of it all is that he lost his son to the influence of sin, who went in the ways the Bible says the ways of Ahab, the ways of Ahab. Now, my folks were always. Very godly, I felt like, and I felt like they were always wanting to do what was right. But there was one thing that my parents had, and I didn't understand at the time. See, as a kid, you don't understand these things. But we'd have certain functions, family functions, and uh, my parents would always leave early or they would not go. I never did understand these things. What was, what was going on here? Well, as I grew older, I began to understand is that some of those things that they were having, there was ungodly things that were happening at those things. My parents said, you know what? Family or no family, that doesn't matter. We're not going to go around that. We're not going to influence our children with those things. And so we didn't get influenced by those in that way. Were we influenced in other ways? Yes, of course we are. All your kids are going to be influenced by ungodly things sometime or another. You and I as parents cannot protect our children from the world completely. All right? It's going to come upon them one day. And one of those days when that happens, we're going to have to trust God and believe God that we've done our best, we've raised them in the way that we should, and one of these days your children and my children are going to make their own decisions. But until that point, May God help us to not even participate in those things. Not even participate. You say, well, what's going on here, preacher? It's just simple. Walk in the light. That's what we're doing. We're walking in the light of the Lord. Walk contrary to the way that you used to live. Walk in the light that's been revealed to you. And thirdly, and thirdly don't be deceived. Never be deceived into thinking that if you're not walking in the light, that you're right with God. Never think that. John, in 1 John chapter number 6, 1 John chapter number 1 in verse number 6, look what he says. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, praise God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Listen, lastly, on this point of walking in the light as a follower of Christ, your position, your position in Christ, make sure, make sure, make sure that you never think to yourself, I'm right with God, or you're not walking in the light. Never think that. First John tells us that this is a position that we can find ourselves in. And it's a warning that we all steer clear from that, that we all stay away from that. There's great reefs that are, surround many parts of Australia, and those reefs are known by the fishermen. They know how to navigate those reefs. They know how close they can get. They know how far to stay away. They know at what point they can come into the sound in order to gain safe harbor. But there's warnings. They know how shallow things are. They even have things in their sonar that warns them that if it's starting to get, uh, has anybody ever been in a boat before with the sonar and the, the water gets too shallow, and you hear all of a sudden, you start hearing, dee, 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 dee. everything's going crazy, everything's going wild, and they were going nuts. What, why does it do that? It's warning you. That's what First John is, saying, hey, don't ever think this. Never think that I'm right with God when you are not walking in the light. What happens? You call God a liar. You yourself become a liar. You stop having fellowship with other believers that are walking in the light. What is the answer? Confess your sin to God. Go back to him, repent, and start walking in the light. Now, thirdly, I want to say, I want to say this. It is this, Revelation chapter number 21, verse number 24. I wish I had the time tonight to read this whole entire thing. Revelation 21, I would encourage you. I really would. I would encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. Can I say it one more time? I would encourage you. Amen to read Revelation 21 before you go to bed tonight. It is so encouraging. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we ought to be walking in the light. There's a foundational truth. Jesus is the light. There is the follower's position that we walk in the light. But thirdly and finally here tonight is this, is the future reality. And what is the future reality? Well, the reality is this, is that one of these days, us that are saved, are going to walk in the light of the new Jerusalem. He tells them in verse number 23, he says, there he says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of the God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And nations of them that are saved walk in the light of it. God one day is going to bring us all to glory, And remember what I said earlier, that while we're on this uh, earth here, that the sun, for our light, it's exclusive. I mean, there's nothing that compares to it. We don't say, well, there's another source of light. In that day, the Son of God is going to be brighter than the sun on earth. There'll be no need for the sun anymore because the Son of God will be lighting that city. His light will lighten it all. And you will walk in that light as a Christian, as a believer, as a believer in Him. We will literally walk in the presence of Jesus' glorious sunbeams, of His sunbeams. Some golden daybreak. That's why I wanted to sing that song tonight. Jesus will come, stepping in the light, stepping in the light. That's an everyday thing. But you know what? That's going to mean an eternal thing. Think about it this way. You begin your walk with Jesus. You begin your walk with Jesus. You continue your walk with Jesus. And you will forever be walking in the light of Jesus as a believer. Always. Life is about Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Christian life is about Jesus Christ the Lord. Don't quit walking. Let me ask you, have you stopped walking for a little bit? Do you find yourself even today not walking in the light of the Lord? Not, not living in according to the light that's been revealed unto you? Then do what 1 John 1.9 says. Do what it says. Believe it. And then do it. Amen? If we confess our sins, we agree with God about our sins, then He will, for, he will forgive us of our sins. God is trying to get us ready for resurrection day. That's what he's trying to do. For the day that we will walk with him forever in glory. And we need to start getting ready for it now. Walk while you have the light. We don't have much time to walk on the face of this earth. Not much time. But if we'll walk in the light of God... We'll have God's smile upon us, the light of His countenance. Is God smiling on your life today, on your walk? Is He smiling? I mean, never base your life upon a, upon a, a baseball game, upon a, as an athlete. Well, I had a really good day today. Maybe God's looking at me, you know? I mean, I read five chapters today. God's smiling at me. Now God's smiling at you if you're just banging on an excavator out there and you're doing it for the glory of God. And when you get off, you don't complain, but you thank God. You bow your head in front of your coworkers and you pray. You tell them about the Lord. You're faithful to God. You're faithful to your family. You're faithful to your church. You're faithful to your Bible. You're faithful in prayer. You're just staying with it. Just keep plotting. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Just keep walking. It's not fancy. I tell you, it's not fancy. There was a great missionary named William Carey, and he said at the end of his life, he had a biographer that said, What are you going to be known for, Carey? He said, That I was just a plotter. Just a plotter. I mean, just moving on, one foot in front of the other, on to glory, closer to God. They have his desk and some of his last remains. No, that sounds bad. uh, uh, Some of the last things that he possessed in a museum in England. If If you ever see a picture of it, it's just very modest attire, a very modest desk, nothing too fancy, just a plotter, just moving on closer and closer and closer to God. Listen, folks, Christian life is not difficult in the sense that it's not fancy. It's not something that you're just going to experience something one of these days and all of a sudden you're going to be this super Christian. No, it's just waking up tomorrow and the next day and the next day for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Because you're looking up to heaven like a child looks over at his mom or his dad after a good play Or a good recital. Or whatever it might be. Because you want to look up to heaven. You want to see God smiling on you. You want God's smile on your life? Then walk in the light of the Lord. Father.